I'm David Webb, Director of Investments at JMBA Financial Advisors in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're recording this discussion on October 5th, 2022. This morning, I'm joined by two longstanding members of our investment committee, Michael Bellotta and John Foster, also senior advisors and investment strategists. John, in the next week or so, many investors across America will be receiving their quarterly performance statements in the mail. What can they expect to see in general? Yeah, it's certainly been a challenging year, David, for both stocks and bonds, uh, and very unique in that that aspect. We're looking at a year where through the end of the quarter, stocks were down about 25% thus far uh, in 2022, and bonds actually uh, performing much worse than they have historically uh, in the last uh, almost five decades, the worst year for bonds was a 3% loss. Uh, and year to date through the end of the quarter, bonds had lost about 14%. Uh, so both stocks and bonds uh, performing poorly. And it's more been a year where uh, trying to, to do less bad uh, has been the objective versus any asset class is really performing well. Uh, as even things like gold that often benefit from the chaos uh, are down in kind of the mid-single digits. Uh, so certainly a year with, with all asset classes uh, more or less out of favor. Sure, sure. Thanks, John. And I think, you know, for, for many investors that have built diversified portfolios, that, that goes against the grain of um, those, those portfolios having served them well over, over time. So, you know, this year is definitely one that we're, you know, we're not seeing diversification maybe work as well as it historically have. So Mike, can you maybe share a bit more? How, how rare is it to see both stocks and bonds down at, at the same time? Yeah, it's uh, not very common at all. Um, unfortunately though, we're seeing that this year where, and John mentioned a couple of the points before, uh, but bonds have only been down in four of the last 40 years. Uh, so John went, you know, mentioned back to 1994, which was the next worst time period. And they raised federal funds from 3 to 6%, so it doubled. This year, we raised Fed funds from about a quarter percent to 3%, which was 12 times the starting rate. And so what we've seen is a lot more of an exaggerated move down in bond values and so on. You know, we've had down stock markets before, and we've had, as I mentioned a few years here and there where bonds have been down. But going back to 1976, we've never had three consecutive quarters of both stocks and bonds being in negative territory. So again, I'm going to say this tongue in cheek, but we're, we're privileged to live in a year where we've had some unprecedented things happen in the financial markets. Uh, and for balanced portfolios, this is the worst overall year from a performance perspective since 1932. Now, I say all of this simply to provide context. You know, we go back to the it is what it is, but I think it is important to be able to put that into perspective as you relate that back to, you know, your portfolio or certain investment strategies and so on. The silver lining in all of this as you try to take a bad environment and turn it positive is that we've been able to do tax loss harvesting both in equities, but also on the bond side, which in my 25-year tenure here, we've very rarely been able to do. And that's you know selling a, a bond investment ETF or fund at a loss, going back in and repurchasing something similar. 
uh, and at this point, probably paying double or triple the the yield. So, you know, taking the proverbial sour lemons, turning them into lemonade uh, again here with the tax loss harvesting, even on the bond side of the equation. But pretty, pretty rare combination that we've seen here in 2022, unfortunately. Thanks for sharing that perspective, Mike. As we look forward, it seems like most investors are just highly focused on two things at this moment in time, inflation and earnings. We'll tackle the outlook for earnings in just a moment, but as it relates to inflation, what's the market currently expecting? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. The prevailing themes this year are certainly inflation and I guess, you know, 1A and 1B, inflation 1A and interest rates 1B. And then ultimately what that does to the economy, i.e. corporate earnings. And we're about to embark here in two weeks, maybe on the next quarter earnings. And we'll talk about that, as you mentioned, in a minute. But as far as inflation goes, there have been various reasons why this inflation bubble has been building for a while. It goes back to 2008 and nine, when the government, both the Treasury and the Federal Reserve, started to be very stimulative with the economy. You've heard easy money, quantitative easing, those sorts of things. We moved into a period, you know, about 10 years later of, uh, or a little bit more of the pandemic and essentially spreading money all over the place there. We add that to uh, Russia Ukraine conflict over in Europe. And so we've kind of had this perfect storm of things that we're going to come to fruition at some point anyways. It just what's exacerbates the situation. What was the catalyst to kind of tip the card over and so on? And that was probably here, you know, early this year. I, I look back because it's important to, you know, we, we look at, well, we could have seen this coming, but let me just give you an example of, so Fed Chairman Powell over time, and I, I saw this yesterday, and it was very interesting because it does talk about how the narrative has changed in a short period of time. So back in the fall of our summer of 2021, he said inflation is expected to drop back to the Fed's goal of two to three percent. So to the extent it's temporary, it doesn't make sense to react. All right. That was just probably what, 12, 13 months ago. Fall of 2021, he said, we should start seeing some relief in the coming months. So they haven't signaled anything yet. They, in fact, think inflation is starting to be uh, more moderate in nature. November of 2021, time to retire. The word transitory as it pertains to inflation. Uh, and then in March of this year, we need to move away from very low rates. So that's when things started to really cascade. And now we've seen uh, we need to do whatever it takes, even if it causes some economic pain in order to bring inflation under control. And it just hasn't moderated to the degree that that they would like to see it. Uh, for all intents and purposes, they are a little bit behind the curve. So I think they do think they bear some responsibility for getting us to this point. So, you know, they're likely to be a little bit more strong handed. So, Mike, as investors have changed gears in terms of thinking the Fed is now going to be more aggressive with their rate hiking campaign, do markets believe that uh, they're going to get ahead of the curve here? What do expectations look like at this point in time? Yeah, that's a really good point, David. The, the silver lining in all of this is that future expectations for inflation have not become unanchored. And what we mean by that is that people believe that inflation will be high and persistently high. 
so that they engage in a lot of behaviors right now to try to get ahead of it. And all that does is exacerbate the situation. So when we look out one, three, and five years from an expectation standpoint, investors, the market, and so on really do believe that the Fed can get this back under control and closer to their target. Thanks, Mike. John, uh, it might be a little bit counterintuitive to most investors, but can you share your perspective on when it might make sense for investors to buy bonds, even if uh, markets expect the Fed to continue raising rates? And maybe you could share also a little bit around what you're seeing out there in terms of uh, investment opportunities for investors that have spare cash. Yeah, David, I think, you know, what Mike was talking about with inflation expectations and where the Fed's at and their rate hiking cycle really gets into where the bond market's at today. You know, the Fed's gotten the Fed funds rate up to about 3%. Uh, meanwhile, though, today, uh, two-year Treasury note's about 4.2%. So the bond market's still, you know, expecting the Fed to raise interest rates by, we'll call it a percent and a half. Um, so there's a lot of rate increases still baked into the bond market and bonds for the first time in a long time are providing really good returns. You know, you can look at, uh, since 2008, really when this war on savers began, the fed funds rate has only been above 1% for about 12 months. Uh, so we've had extraordinarily low interest rates for a very long period of time. And now you can buy a two-year treasury and it pays 4.2%. So that shorter part of the yield curve looks real attractive from an income standpoint. But even more intermediate term bonds could rally if the Fed comes up short. You know, the, they're expecting the Fed to get to 4.5%. If the Fed doesn't make it, you could actually see a pretty big bond rally. And so we're starting to see that on days where economic news comes out a little bit soft. Uh, bonds are rallying pretty good. So... Uh, there's a chance in here that the Fed doesn't make it that high and that uh, bonds actually uh, counter to what people are expecting. Bonds start to start to rally from these levels. That's a great point. And we've definitely seen that on a number of days more recently where um, bad news is is good news as it relates to um, how the market reacts on a given day when, when we get some fresh economic data. So, uh, Mike, as, as the Fed has continued to raise rates, you know, investors and just people in general are noticing that there's there's they're seeing a slowdown in certain areas of the economy. Housing is definitely the one that is on the top of a lot of people's minds. And uh, many economists are even forecasting the labor market could soften a bit more into next year. So as we are right on the cusp of entering into earnings season where companies will report their third quarter results, what uh, what do you think we might be? Um, possibly seen and how could that affect financial markets? Yeah, that's a great point because up until recently, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, if you will, has been that the market has adjusted downward from a valuation perspective and it has also adjusted downward prior to this point, factoring in an economic slowdown. But what had been holding in there was that corporate earnings and the growth of corporate earnings hadn't been taken down yet. So when you try to reconcile that, you think, well, corporations are engaging in business in an economy. And if the economy is slowing to the point where it's not growing at all or even contracting, how can corporate earnings continue to grow at the same level that they were predicted to at the beginning of the year? Well, over time, we've started to see some of those expectations get taken down uh, for a number of companies and so on. So the key will be 
when we get to the report of earnings, and, and most of the earnings aren't going to be very good, uh, but the market doesn't necessarily care about good or bad. What it cares about is, is the number you're reporting better than what was expected or is it worse? And I think we'll start to see a situation where those companies that disappoint uh, are going to get you know, punished fairly severely. And those companies that actually do manage to or have managed to guide lower and get expectations more in line with what's reasonable, you know, those companies can certainly hold their own and even do fairly well. Uh, but that is going to be the next leg, either up or down in the stock market uh, as a result of what happens in the coming weeks with earnings for sure. And I think as we've seen in last last quarter, a number of companies, even even though they issued negative guidance, o- overall uh, investors were pleasantly surprised that things weren't as bad as expected. And in recent weeks, I know our investment committees talked about this a lot, but companies do definitely seem to be battening down the hatches somewhat in terms of hiring freezes or even partial layoffs, so that maybe um, not every company in the corporate world is making the same adjustment at once such that, you know, maybe we see a bit more of a modest slowdown, uh, more akin to like a mild recession as opposed to something um, more devious. So I'll ask this next question, John, and I know it's an impossible question to answer, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Uh, Is it, you know, for investors that have now seen the market, you know, slide more than 20% year to date, is it possible to call the bottom? I know everyone wants to know, you know, when is this going to be over? But is it, is it important to even try to do so? Can you share your perspective on us with that? Yeah, David, I, you know, I think calling a top in a market or calling a bottom in a market is always, you know, next to impossible. Um, but what I think you can do is kind of look at, you know, what's happened historically and get an idea. Are we closer to the top at times or are we closer to the bottom based on, you know, a variety of factors? Obviously, we've seen sentiment go from, you know, people being really optimistic about equities at the start of the year to now being very pessimistic. And usually you need a lot of pessimism to form a bottom. So we're certainly, you know, on the the scale of investor sentiment, you know, a lot closer to the bottom than we are the top. Uh, From a drawdown standpoint, you know, the typical bear market uh, with a recession the the stock market will draw down by about a third. You know, we've drawn down by a little bit more than a quarter from the top to the bottom. So that would say too, that you're, you're probably closer to the bottom than the top. And then maybe from an amount of time standpoint, you know, the average bear market's nine months. We're now entering the 10th month of this bear market. Uh, The average bear market with a recession uh, will typically go a bit longer than that, closer to 15 months. So somewhere between three and six quarters, call it, is the amount of time a bear market takes. And we're over three quarters into this bear market. So, you know, people are far more pessimistic. Uh, We've drawn down about what you'd expect to see. And then from a a time standpoint, we're kind of right in that range. Uh, So we're certainly, you know, probably at the beginning of maybe a bottoming process, uh, but to, to call it the exact bottom when we still expect maybe uh, some earning re- earnings revisions to the downside and Fed policy that often acts with a leg and the Fed is still raising rates here in the month of September. Um, it, you know, there could still be a little bit more economic weakness, a little bit more time to go. 
Uh, but definitely uh, from our vantage point, we're much closer to the bottom than we are at the top. And then when the market does recover, you know, on average over the next 12 months after a bear market, returns are in the 40% plus range. And so you certainly want to start getting into that time frame uh, of saying we're, we're closer to the bottom and we got to stay the course, we got to stay committed, but then also position for the eventual recovery on the other end, because that's where returns can be quite powerful the other direction. Well, gentlemen, this has been a great conversation thus far, and I know we've covered a lot of ground. Is there any parting wisdom you'd like investors to recall as we continue into the, the last few months of what's been a challenging year? Sure. Uh, and, and I know this will sound a little bit cliched to a certain extent. Uh, first of all, look, this year hasn't been any fun. It's been challenging. It has uh, been very difficult from a navigation standpoint. I think we would all agree. Um, you know, with with bull markets, they never feel like they're going to end on the upside. And on the downside, bear markets also feel like they're never going to end. And yet through, you know, a, a global depression, a couple of world wars, September 11th, the financial crisis, a global pandemic, all of those things that one would argue would be a lot more challenging than what we're seeing today things have, bear markets have always come to an end. And on the other side, to John's point, the recovery is often pretty swift and, uh, you know, and plentiful on the upside, but you have to be there. So I just want to, you know, the parting wisdom is more, this, this will come to an end. We will end up on the other side of this. We will get back to making better returns again. Unfortunately, you know, the price of entrance into getting those outsized returns is that sometimes you have to go through these periods right now that prove really challenging and, and nerve wracking. And we understand that. Well said. Thank you, John and Mike, for a very insightful discussion today. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you will visit jmba.com and tune into our other videos and podcasts where we cover both investment and financial life planning topics. Thank you for your continued trust in JMBA, not just as your financial advisor, but also as your advocate. Please reach out if you need anything at all. You can find our contact information at jmba.com. Important disclosure information. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Therefore, it should not be assumed that future performance of any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or undertaken by JMBA financial advisors or any non-investment related services, will be profitable, equal any historical performance levels, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. A copy of our current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request. The scope of the services to be provided depends upon the needs of the client and the terms of the engagement. Please see important disclosure information at www.jmba.com backslash disclosure.